Hello and welcome to Style and Substance, a branding and business podcast for inspired and empowered entrepreneurs. I'm Elizabeth Cairns and together with my fabulous co-host Fiona Humberstone, we're here to help you sidestep the hustle, keep joy at the forefront of your work and champion a more meaningful and sustainable approach to business. We'll talk about everything from purpose to productivity, from colour psychology to creativity, where to start and how to keep going, how to stay inspired, empowered, and more importantly, sane in the process. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please like, share, subscribe, and keep listening. Hello and a very, very warm welcome to Style and Substance podcast. How exciting is it to be back again? It's so lovely. Hello, everybody. So this week's episode was really inspired by a question that comes up on every single course or workshop that I run. It's one of the biggest questions that I get asked when I work with people face-to-face, and I definitely think it's one of the biggest blockers for getting clarity around your brand. And the question that we are dealing with today is, how much of my own personality should I bring into my brand? Yeah, it's a juicy one. It's a juicy one. This sort of manifests at lots of different levels. So we've we've just done an episode on colour psychology, which I am hoping you will have loved. And one of the inevitable things when you're thinking about your brand's seasonal personalities, we'll tend to merge those two things into one. So we'll think about, well, what season is my brand? But we'll also think about, well, what season am I? And although I'm not trained in personal colour psychology and I don't train people in it the more you get into colour psychology the more you will see particular traits coming up in people so I'll often hear people say to me oh well I'm a spring or I'm a summer and they're kind of talking about themselves and their brand at the same time and that sometimes isn't the best approach so spill Elizabeth Yeah, well, I think it comes up a lot for me as well, this sort of tricky piece of how much of myself do I bring into my brand? And then what does that look like in terms of branding, which is where I hand them over to you. Yeah. And I think what would be helpful is talk through your process for how you unpick that. You know, how do you decide? Because it's, it's really about the connection you want to make, isn't it? Between your brand and your audience and your client and the impact you want to have. And sometimes that will require nuances and elements of the brand founder or the entrepreneur, and sometimes it won't. But how do you sift through to decide? Yeah, well, that is kind of the gold standard. That's what we're aiming for. So we're aiming to create a brand that that helps you own your space, that communicates with the right people, that resonates with them at a really deep level, and that that you can, you know, be proud to call your own. I think the reality of what often happens is when we're thinking about launching a business or when we're, we're thinking about rebranding, we're thinking about the visuals because that's that's the tangible thing. That's what we notice. So we'll often maybe take to Pinterest or Instagram and see things that we love and be like, oh my goodness, I love that. I want that. I want my brand to look like that. Mm. and 
sometimes that works, but more often than not, it doesn't because it's if we approach it just from an aesthetic point of view, we're not necessarily thinking about the impact that we're creating. We're not thinking about, well, is this going to help me own my space? Is it going to say the right things to the right people? Mm. And particularly, presumably, if the entrepreneur is choosing those aesthetics based on their own personal taste without a connection. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I mean. So when it's all very aesthetically driven, when you're just looking at things saying, I love that, you know, it's a bit like if you want a new kitchen and you, you know, you'll flick through magazines and you'll look for what you like. Sometimes sometimes that works, but actually what often happens is six months down the line, someone else has a new kitchen put in and we're like, oh, this feels really nice. I wish I'd had this. I'm not sure I like the shiny surfaces or the chrome handles or the, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? And it, it's the same, I called it magpie syndrome, didn't I, and how to style your mm. brand. But it's that idea that you see something, maybe it's trending at the moment, Maybe you've seen it somewhere else and you're like, well, that that is perfect. That's right for me and my brand. And and often before the designers even finished the project, you start getting cold feet and you start thinking, oh, I, I don't know that I do like that. I've just seen something else over here and actually I want that instead. So my whole approach to branding and, and brand design is – Find yourself a unique space in the market that only you can own. Play to your strengths. So build that space on your magic. Build it on that thing that you can offer that nobody else can or that you can offer better than anyone else. Work out who you want to be working with, who's going to really value your magic and create a brand identity that really enables you to own your space, connect with those people and get your business out there with a real sense of confidence. So that's kind of how the process works. So to take that all the way back to your original question, to work out how that brand is going to work, we've got to work out what the magic in the business is. And that will connect to the founder, to the entrepreneur to a large or a small extent, depending on what they do, how maybe how passionate or dominant they are in their business, um, who they're working with, how many people are in the team. You know, there's lots of different levers. It might depend on what they do. Yeah, and quite often whether they're selling a service or a product as well, right? Sometimes, but I could give you probably, don't put me on the spot, but I could probably give you examples of of people where it works both ways in different industries. Yeah. So there's no hard and fast rules. But what I do know is that when we try and put too much of our own personality into the brand without thinking it through about whether that's the right thing to do, it can complicate things. Yeah. And... Also, when we create a brand that is completely devoid of any of our personality, sometimes, not always, but sometimes, that can bring up its own challenges and problems. Yeah, so that makes me think of a lovely client, actually, that you and I have shared in the past and I've been working with for quite a long time. And I'm sure she'd be totally happy for me to mention her by name, but Vic Wade, Garden Yes, lovely Vic. 
lovely Vic. So for anyone who's met Vic, she is a tour de force, a huge personality. She's bubbly. She's chatty. She's Welsh. She's the most... <laughs> she's Welsh. Is that a personality trait? Well, no. Well, it kind of is. Because <laughs> she's sort of kind of what you'd expect from a really warm, bubbly, hospitable... Yeah gregarious Welsh young woman right so she yeah she's very Welsh she's really vibrant she captivates people and she's in her business with her husband Joe and Joe's a very different personality you know he's quieter he's slightly more grounded they make an amazing team but if we were to put the entirety of her personality onto her brand as garden designers at the very high end that they work at well, no, it and actually work, that's what happened with Vic first time around. So Vic, it's interesting because some of the language you've used around Vic, you've said she's a big personality and, and I totally know what you mean, but she's also not dramatic. She's not that person that walks into the room and everyone knows that Vic's arrived. She's really fun. She's full of ideas. She is prolific in her creativity and the pace at which she works. So Vic is out and out spring and and joe is not joe is i would guess kind of autumn winter real steadying force very grounded so the first time so the first time that vic had her brand rebranded the designer had understandably taken their lead from vic's prolific creativity she's very uplifting she's very fun and and the brand felt really spring and I totally understand where that's coming from. It, you know, it feels modern, it feels exciting, it feels joyful and happy. But actually, over time, Vic's ambitions for her business changed. Branding-wise, Vic and Joe were really ambitious for their business. So they were at a point where they were working on some really big, prestigious projects. And their branding was really out of step with the caliber of what they were working on. They were wanting to be on that path to Chelsea. And after lots and lots, and and actually this is an interesting one because very often in a session, you know, I do these three hour Zoom sessions, very often in a session, I will get to the essence and the magic of a brand in that time without any issues. And actually, I remember with Vic, it took, I think, three sessions to get something that we were absolutely comfortable to nail down because there was so much spring noise going on and there were so many ideas and so many, oh, but what if it was this and what if it was that? So we landed on the brand or or the aesthetic of Vic's Gardens feeling wild, soulful and grounded yeah so getting through that noise can be a real challenge I forget the exact words but we wanted something that definitely felt quite wild and grounded but also up and coming was definitely one of the words for Vic so it it had a completely different Mm. spin on how the brand was going to feel and that was really exciting then because I felt like We'd taken elements of Vic and of Joe, but most importantly, we'd done their work justice. It wasn't just about this manifestation of this bubbly, creative, really personable, lovely 
designer actually it was about looking at the business as a whole and if people are investing in their garden we need to reflect that in the the identity yeah absolutely and they'll they'll get Vic's personality in that whole process with her anyway it doesn't need to be shouting out from the brand and if anything it's yeah it doesn't speak to the quieter sides of her personality where all of that Mm. thought that research that depth of knowledge that expertise that she brings all of that would be lost if it was just that at the front and center and also what you were able to create there as well for her was something that not only represented the quality of her design and where she fits in the market but the aspirations for the business yeah it was very important that we created something that reflected where they were going as much as where they'd come from Mm. yeah and I think that's another point in terms of differentiating between the founder personality and the brand personality it's very hard to see how a founder is going to evolve in and of themselves but you but you can bring some mm. clarity more often to where you want to yes yeah, exactly go. and I think when you're creating a brand for whoever you're creating it for it should last five to ten years at least so you've got to take into account where you're going in some way shape or form I mean we've talked in the past about how I rarely plan more than six months ahead and you know I don't know where my business will be in 10 years but I do know that if it's founded on the magic that I uniquely bring well actually the foundations of that haven't changed ever since I launched the brand stylist nine years ago Mm. Although the brand has evolved, hasn't it, interestingly, and what we've seen with your brand is it's it's moved even further away from what would be your core personal seasonal personality and much more, it's almost now the polar opposite, yeah. isn't it? When It's always been spring-winter, so my own personality is a combination of autumn and spring. I'm, I'm not quite sure which one's most dominant it does doesn't overly matter to me but it's that kind of space so warm nature is a big thing light's a big thing for me creativity inspiration clarity all those things my brand now is winter summer so you know there is absolutely Mm. no connection between my own personality and the brand I mean, hopefully it doesn't feel inauthentic, um, but I think it's really important that when you're thinking about your magic and and therefore thinking about your seasonal personality, you're thinking about what it is that you bring. So for me, a wealth of experience, the depth of knowledge that I have, this real understanding of creating resonant brands, that's really pioneering No one else has done this. So Mm. only being, my brand being spring would really take away from that expertise. And I was talking to you yesterday, wasn't I, about how when I styled the spring workshop, it was such a joy because I didn't overthink anything. Mm. I just created, and with Steph, who's amazing, my florist friend, we just created some really beautiful things. You know, I had really joyful, ruffled, striped tablecloths that I'd made and blossom everywhere. And I I honestly think it was one of the, the happiest, loveliest 
stylings that I'd ever done. And I felt like my house really came into its own and just the whole thing was a total joy. And I would be lying if I said I didn't have five minutes where I didn't think, should I just have a spring brand? Like, should I chuck away all the everything that I've put into the brand stylist as it looks and and just have something really like scalloped and pretty and maybe like a new red (laughs) no the thing is if I did that it might feel joyous for me but commercially it would not work because it wouldn't allow me to showcase my expertise it wouldn't allow me to be taken seriously by my clients or charge what I'm worth or differentiate myself it would really betray the level of skill and edge that I can bring to a client project and it would you know it would kind of set me back 15 years I think if we think about one of the things for me that is is one of the sweet spots of your magic it's that really incisive vision and there's nothing incisive no I love spring (laughs) you know your ability your ability I know we love spring there's nothing wrong with spring but bluebells are not incisive (laughs) ditzy florals do not cut straight through to the heart of what really is going to make a brand work and and that is Mm. such a core strength that people need to have the confidence in you bringing and whilst people might swoon over the beautiful aesthetic of it it's not going to create the traction and the longevity of that brand because also it's spring is young spring is naive and I mean I remember a lovely brand that you created I know this is going off track a little bit but when you were yeah. I think when you were off with Poppy oh, and you created Elsa yeah, my sweet scented candles and my hair clips yeah it was and, and they were Liberty Baby clothes as well. I mean, it was gorgeous. Interestingly, so I have loved doing up my home and I would love to take on some interior design work. And mm. interestingly, with that, you know, I'm not an interior design expert. I would bring my creativity. I'd bring my flair. I'd bring my use of colour. I'd bring my taste and my style that could mm. absolutely be autumn spring because that's my aesthetic you know that yeah. that is yeah. me that's my style but it wouldn't be founded around me it would be my style so you know if i was to design a home for someone it would be cozy homely it would be it would have cute touches but it would have whimsical things it would have ruffles and scallops and um ditzy patterns I'd like to think it would be classy as well and it would be natural but you know it it absolutely wouldn't be winter summer because that's not my aesthetic and it's not where my experience lies I don't have enough experience to own that space so people do often ask does a brand kind of grow up through the seasons and it doesn't have to so there are some gorgeous gorgeous really high-end spring brands doing amazing Mm. things that are absolutely at the top of their game that own that space of joy and happiness and creativity so it's it's not like you've won the jackpot when you get to be a winter brand and (laughs) you know no 
No, and I can't ever imagine me ever crossing into that space, for example. It just would well, never work yeah, you for my say brand. that, but you, you could do it if that was the right commercial thing. So if you suddenly decided that, I don't know, you, you wanted to... Well, if I went back into corporate... So that's a really good point. People often say this with corporate, and I think the polar opposite is true with corporate. Oh, that's interesting. So my feeling with corporate... And I've, I can't remember where I talked about it most recently, but I think it was in the rebranding seminar. Health Quotient is a client of mine who's based in Australia. She's a medical doctor, worked for McKinsey um, for years, and then has set up on her own. And she consults with big, big, big corporations around the art of rest and compassion. And Yeah, well, that doesn't make sense in winter. <laughs> well, you say that. Right. But she had spent a lot of money and had really well-crafted brand identity, but it was Mm. matching the corporates that she was selling to. So it felt dynamic. It felt driving. And the whole thing with her brand is actually it's about having compassion. It's, It's about actually valuing rest and what that can bring to an organization. And and everybody that I ever speak to that sells into corporates has this sort of misconception that their brand needs to look corporate because they're selling mm. corporates. Well, yeah, yeah. my feeling has always been corporates are buying you in to deliver something that they can't deliver in-house. So why would we make it look corporate? It needs to look credible, but there's a big difference yeah. between looking credible and looking corporate. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose when I when I sort of mentioned that in terms of my space, it would be more if I moved back into, which I still do a bit of, the exec coaching mm. and focused on the approach that I used to take more in that space, yeah. which was much more cut through, much more, well, much more winter. Yeah, exactly. Um, action orientated, yeah. but it's not, you know, it's not where I tend to lean now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it does work, you know, thinking about another lovely client of mine who is in that space. So Bex Morley is a coach. Yes. Her brand is a relatively close representation of her, but not bang on. Mm. But she's quite a spring personality, but she does have the gravitas yeah. of winter. And she's very direct, isn't she, Bex? I would imagine if she wants to be. When she's coaching, yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah. can be. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and her clients respect that. Well, because... I'd imagine they really value it. Yeah, yeah. because they're, you know, they're fast growth. Yeah. Um, either startups or scaling businesses they haven't got a lot of time they don't need a lot of nonsense they need something that does cut through but they also she's big on a um a playful and a, mm. a heart, an, an energetic approach that isn't dull and staid yeah. and boring so her brand reflects that you know it has color it has yeah personality yeah and so she's she's able to bring that sort of vibrancy of spring without losing what her clients value mm. in winter. Yeah. And, and I think it works. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I guess one of the key takeaways is when you're thinking about any of this stuff, you've got to think about what's going to be right for you to hold your space in the market. Mm. I think there's two other slightly conflicting principles here that are worth exploring. The first is, I don't think it matters what you do. 
you in your entirety are not all in coming into your business. So I think that's the first thing. Like, not every nuance and facet of your personality needs to come into your business. Mm. But the other principle we need to think about is that as an entrepreneur that's pouring their heart and soul into their businesses, we do want a connection, don't we? Yeah. To our brand. And and I think those two principles can cause some real tension. Would you agree? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And because it's how much do you show that's appropriate? Mm. How do you discern which bits of your personality come forward? And the bits that you might think make sense. You know, we were talking earlier about... Oh, my artist client. Yes. Yeah, so that's a really interesting one. So this is a, a client in South Africa who creates the most beautiful, photorealistic, powerful, botanical paintings, oil paintings. And they take her months and months to paint. And... Yeah, we are totally transforming the commercial direction of her business and, and taking her from working with a gallery owner that that sort of champions up-and-coming artists. She's, she's really moving past that stage now. So we're looking at licensing and we're looking at art prints and we're looking at how to build more value into her originals as well and, and maybe looking at murals mm. and working directly with interior designers. But... When she came to me, um, the first thing, <laughs> the first thing she said was, um, was it, I am nothing like my art? Yeah, that was one of the first things. And and I make a point of listening. I don't want to see anything for a good hour until I found clarity because that can really throw me off. So mm-hmm. I just listened, but obviously I could see what she was wearing and I could see what her room looked like. And that was giving me a lot of clues as to what her art might look like. And mm. the other thing, she she talked a lot about spirituality and the importance of that and how she gets into a very meditative state. So we started to look for the clarity. And, and I think it, for me, it's really important just to listen and soak in as much as I can and not form snap judgments too fast I mean I do work fast but not too fast um anyway so I looked at her art oh my goodness I was bowled over so so breathtaking I mean her latest piece is this almond blossom on this very dramatic black background it's this big blown up just section and it looks so powerful and commanding and incredible I mean it looks like photograph it blows my mind that she's done this so already my mind is worrying because I'm thinking well that would look amazing on a tray in Liberty or at the Royal Academy of Art or you know there's so many things that she could do with that or there's that company surface view that blow up mural Mm. you know look amazing as a mural oh it was so nice she sent me this lovely email yesterday saying so excited and inspired to go forward with my art and it's been a solid two years since I felt that way this work has released all my energy to flow towards the most important thing for me actually painting it's almost like you reached in waded through a lot of bump meditations lol 
and plucked out the core <laughs> essence of my work. It's a real gift, and my creative muse is doing a little victory dance in the background. Oh, that's so it's lovely. So lovely. That's so lovely. But that's the feeling you get when you land yeah. on it, isn't it? Yeah, and it's getting to that core essence. And I think our own personalities can get massively in the way of what that mm. core essence is. And I think it can be hard to let those aspects go, particularly a lot of us in the entrepreneurial space treat our businesses like babies. Yeah. Right? It's like we've created something that's so close to us, that's so meaningful, that's so personal, particularly if it's a, a service-based business, mm. but not always. You know, I know a lot of clients that feel that way about the products that they've created. Yeah. And I'm thinking about the lovely Anna. Of, I was um, just thinking about her. So home and Ella life. Yeah. yeah. And, and Anna puts her heart and soul into the beautiful product yeah. she makes for Ella. And so it can be really hard to look at that as a separate entity from ourselves when, when we feel such a strong sense of ownership of it. But I think for me, the overriding or the thing that gives us the ability to take a more discerning look at it is... Objective. Well, you want <laughs> objective. Yeah. yeah, you want your baby to do really well. Yeah. So you need to serve it in the best way possible. And that doesn't mean divorcing yourself from it, but it does mean choosing very carefully what's going to enable it to fly yeah and I I think the key thing is you need clarity so if there's noise that's getting in the way that noise is going to get in the way of people connecting with you Mm. so this is reminding me of another client of yours the English vineyard client yes where you actually deliberately chose to bring an aspect of the founder's personality in as kind of a mainstay through that brand yeah can you talk us through that yeah well that was a really interesting one because they had already had a label designed by an agency and they didn't like it and they couldn't put their fingers on why and for me it was really obvious not not obvious from the get-go because it was beautifully designed and really well thought through but Mm obvious from a couple of hours of speaking to them about their ambitions for their business but also about what they did and didn't like about the label and ultimately it came down to the fact that I could see that the founder was really spring he was very forward-looking he was very light he was very sort of uplifting and, and joyful and fun and unpretentious and you know all those lovely spring I mean he's a lawyer so he's he's absolutely got that sort of knowing how to operate in a corporate environment but this is his baby like you say and this is meant to be the passion project so this really did need a connection to him the challenge you've got with English vineyards and particularly four years ago when we were doing this is there's nothing yet to taste because actually most vineyards are only coming into fruition in the next couple of years so nothing really to taste but what I I could tell was that he wasn't going to want something harking to the past it was going to need to have some kind of forward-looking-ness in it I I could see that he needed a sense of spring for it to feel right for him it was really important to him that it did feel right and that for me was the best way in I couldn't taste the wine so I couldn't go on what it tasted like but I could go on how I could see he was going to run it from what he was telling me so I knew that quality was really important 
I knew that it was always going to be an artisan business, that it was never going to produce, you know, on a, on a mass scale. And I could see that he was really relaxed and unpretentious, which at that point was a real gap in the market. You know, every other English vineyard was coming across as quite traditional and quite French and quite kind of stuffy is a bit unfair, but, you know, very traditional. And I wanted something that, so I wanted something that really connected to him, but I could also see that commercially this could really give them quite, an edge in the market Mm. so knowing how much of yourself to bring in is a real challenge and I think there's no easy answers to it if you're a designer often it's going to be your aesthetic which often will be very closely linked to your personality as as we said with mine and one thing maybe to leave us with and the real power sometimes in getting this stuff right is um lovely melody who would come on come on my summer workshop a year ago and said to me my 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 work my brand is summer autumn and i was thinking I'm not sure it is but but you haven't asked me for my opinion so i'm going to keep quiet <laughs> I've learned that over the years. <laughs> Don't wade in. <laughs> so, uh, so Melody did a couple more workshops. She did autumn, she did winter, and she was still saying my brand's autumn, summer. And by this point, I sort of had enough of rapport with Melody to say, I really, I really don't think it is. <laughs> I think you'll find that your work is very spring. And maybe there's a bit of autumn in there, but it's very spring and it's very not summer. Anyway, she came back to the spring workshop and I think I give spring a really bad rap because it can be quite cheap and it can be quite down market and people can not take it seriously. But it's also so joyful and so friendly and so creative and so inspiring. And actually, if we just embrace spring, we can create some amazing things. So anyway, Cecilina took this lovely video of Melody saying that knowing that her brand was spring made her feel like she could breathe again, which I think is a really nice place to leave this. You know, when you get this right, and it is about hitting on that core essence of your brand and what sets you apart, it just means that everything can flow. So I think the key things to remember are, well, the key thing, quite honestly, is think about what the essence of your brand is, what your magic is, and what's going to be right for you to hold your space. Yeah, absolutely. Happy day. Fabulous. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Style and Substance. We really hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find more information on everything we've talked about by heading to the show notes or by visiting our websites at thebrand-stylist.com or elizabethcairns.com. If you like what you've heard, we'd love a review. We're a brand new show and your support makes all the difference. You can like and subscribe as well as giving us what we hope is a well-deserved five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. 
We'd love to hear what you think of the show too, so please do leave your comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes on our blogs. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.